0: Welcome to this week's Two Men in the Middle. This was two men in the middle of the country get together and talk about politics, current events, and other fun stuff. I'm Craig Huey. I'm Brandon Kennick. Well, Brandon, first off, let me apologize to all the listeners. Our, our audio file quality was a little bit bad last week. That was my fault. Um, there's about four buttons I need to press, and if one of those aren't pressed correctly, I'm completely out of my sound engineering element, and we got past my technical capabilities that uh, uh, last week, but we, I think we got that solved now. Um, this week, there's really only one thing to talk about, and that is the fourth indictment of Donald Trump. This is Fannie Willis, not Fanny Willis, out of um, out of Georgia. This is the big one. This is the RICO case with Trump and 18 of his pals. This gives us names like Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, John Eastman. All of the cast of characters are there. And it looks like Fawny Willis is just trying to wrap her arms around that entire group, slap a RICO charge on them, which basically means they formed a criminal organization in Atlanta, and charge them and try them all at the same time.
1: That's exactly right. So this is a 41-count indictment, 98-page long indictment, so twice as long as the indictment from Jack Smith on the federal side. Uh, This brings um, the total number uh, to 98 criminal charges against Donald (laughs) Trump, if you're counting with the four indictments that are circulating. And this one packs quite a punch. As you mentioned, the RICO statute gives broad authority to a prosecutor to really target uh multiple people that are involved under the guise of a criminal enterprise and so that RiCO statute has long been used to go after organized crime mafia um, as well as like uh, um, uh, lower level like drug dealers and mm-hmm. gangs uh, based on people who may even have been passive, Participants, but who were part of that overall um, goal or effort, and and Fonny Ruelas has actually used that RICO statute to prosecute. Um, gangs and, and other enterprises. So she's not new yeah. to employing this.
0: Her big case was that when she used it with a teacher scandal yes. in, uh, a in a Atlanta, scandal. It was a cheating scandal, and she wrapped them all up in a in a RICO account.
1: And, and was it? She went after a rapper recently too.
0: Um, she's gone after some pretty high profile cases and won these cases. She has, cases, yeah. And I, and
1: I think it's it's good reminding people too. She is actually a pretty tough on crime prosecutor. She was kind of known as a centrist when she was running in the Democratic. Primary in Fulton County. She was actually criticized for being too Republican like um, at the time, but she does know her stuff. And this is what's good about this, too, is not only the RICO statute as it exists gives us authority where it doesn't exist elsewhere. Uh, Georgia in particular has a version of the RICO statute that's very robust and yeah. gives a lot of deference to prosecutors. And we'll get more into Georgia as a state um, plays a lot into this because their legal framework um, enables, uh, I think for not only robust prosecution, but also for Trump to not uh, um, evade these charges Behind the power of the presidency, is he would be able to do federal charges. Yeah, so that's uh, another facet of all of this. Well,
0: the governor Kemp can't pardon him either. It's that's like right. A Georgia board that is has one of the, the
1: only states that doesn't have a, a gubernatorial pardon. And as you mentioned, it's a four-person board, uh, state board of pardons and uh, paroles. And not only that, that board cannot issue a pardon until five years after a defendant has served out their sentence.
0: And you have to serve at least two-thirds of your sentence right. to be
1: eligible for it. So there's no question that there's going, um, that a pardon won't make a difference here in terms of where it would on the federal level, where a pardon could be issued in, um, you know, even before the prosecution or before a verdict. The other item too, uh, to note is that, um, the, uh, what was I going to say? The RICO statute as well, uh, that the, there's a minimum sentence of five years. So, uh, None of these people are going to be getting off lightly, and it provides incentive for a lot of these co-conspirators and others to work with the prosecution and turn on Trump.
0: Yeah, but it— I heard something where Sarah Isger point this out that where that's a it's like a minimum sentence, but that's not the mandatory sentence, right?
1: Yeah, you, that's what I meant to say. Is it's, it is a minimum, but it's it's worth saying that that matters because even if you go back to like the Alvin Bragg's case, that could easily result in no jail time at all, yeah, like a fine.
0: But so how I read that is, if convicted, he could get a sentence of two years. Is that how? Uh, Where, so that's that's different or, than what or I it, thought. I thought or is it was that if you give it, you have to give
1: the five. No, I thought if you give it, you have to give the five. I think there's no way around that minimum okay. five I, years. I thought what I, I heard read. something
0: different that we, that was the minimum, but it wasn't the mandatory. So maybe there was some more flexibility there. There e- might yeah. either way. This is Trump's most in jeopardy of going to jail
1: yeah because he can't evade state level charges and then thank goodness for georgia they don't have you know gubernatorial pardon no. power <laughs> and, and i i did not know that i figured virtually all states did they were one of the few that do not
0: yeah i figured kemp would just say hey just get done with the trial as soon as you can and i'll just pardon you and we'll just we'll just put this this beside us or is trump past that in georgia I mean, Georgia's pretty done with Donald Trump. I
1: think they are, and Georgia Republicans in particular. You have to also remember that Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, is a cooperating witness in this case, um, as is the former lieutenant governor – or current lieutenant governor, actually, not former, sorry – current Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan um, as well is cooperating. So the Republican establishment in Georgia as exists is pretty much over Trump. And Brian Kemp even fought back on um, Twitter X this week. I saw that. Rebutting Trump's claims about the
0: election being stolen in Georgia. And the Republican Party in Georgia is not what it used to be. The evidence of that is you have two Democratic senators out of Georgia. And that (laughs) wouldn't have happened 20 years ago.
1: That is correct. You not only have two Democratic senators, you have two Democratic senators um to liberal yes.
0: progressive democratic senators. one of whom has already these aren't john
1: tester one of whom won in a special election and has already won re-election last year so he was returned to power Raphael warnock
0: yes. thank you herschel walker
1: yeah and and of course georgia went uh blue on the presidential level so georgia is a, a demographically is a state that's in flux and is becoming bluer and is really a purple state now. It is no longer a red state, just like Arizona.
0: So there's a couple of things about this that that I've been thinking of and I think are really interesting. It's a 100-page indictment. It's Rico Law. There's no way amateur podcast or... Pun or professional pundits can go through this with any level of expertise. So as usual, you got to find your, your three or four lawyer podcasts and get most of your good data from them. And right. I'm going I'm to recommend the three that I always have. And whenever I recommend lawyer podcasts, you got to pick the other side. You can't pick your own team. you got to hear this from people that you trust that don't have your, your political perspective. So mine are David French, Sarah Isger, and Andy McCarthy. And they're all lawyers, and if, if you listen to a lot of lawyer podcasts, it's weird in that if if the law and the facts of the case don't perfectly overlay each other, they all kind of freak out. So lawyers like it when the facts and the evidence just automatically lay over each other. And any time there's any gray area, that's the spaces that lawyers live in, and that's the area that, the most, that, that there, there's the most debate, the debates around what is fraud – can, can you, is it a fraud on the U.S. government to keep Donald Trump from gaining the presidency? The Supreme Court in its latest iterations have said, no, that that is not fraud. So there is some wiggle room. There is some debate on what these charges are across all three of the major indictments. We're not going to include bragging in this because that's, that's something different. Yeah. And while they all may find areas to argue and areas of wiggle and areas of concern, all of them will tell you Trump's getting convicted. There's just there are certain parts of this that there are just no way out of the obstruction stuff on all three of them, for example. Oh, yeah. There are parts of this that are going to get overturned. The issue that I have right now, when you hear a lot of pundits and a lot of lawyers talk about this, it's almost like they're talking about the uh, about the appeal. You know, it's it's becoming a foregone conclusion that the government doesn't go O for ninety one or O for ninety eight or how many charges there are with the with the state charges in the mix with the federal charges. It doesn't matter what some of this will get dismissed, some of this will get overturned on appeal. But Trump is going to get convicted of some of these of these crimes. Is the general consensus it, without
1: a doubt? And law of averages kind of plays that out. But in, in some of these cases, like uh, if I were to rank the cases by probability in terms. Terms of most likely to be convicted on down. Number one, I would say the Mar a Lago case because that's pretty cut and dry. And number two, I would probably place this case, the Fulton County, the recordings, the evidence. Number three, I would place the January sixth case. Um, just because yeah. good likelihood, but it is a little bit more nebulous with the charges and trying to string that case together with the insurrection. And then lastly would be the Alvin Brown yeah. case, which I think is the weakest. I mean,
0: in this case, you have Eastman. I think he's, he's either on tape or in an e. I I think it's, this is in an email. Him saying, hey, look, guys, we already are in violation of the law. We've already broke the Electoral Count Act. What we're doing now, yes, it's illegal, but it's not as illegal as what we just did. So we might as well just go ahead and go. Yeah, there are parts of this where the people involved it's admitted, in the criminal conspiracy <laughs> just say, "Yep, we're we in. It, yeah, we're, we're doing crime." That's what we're doing.
1: Well, and it's interesting, too, because I think there's an opportunity here to really tell the story in a way the other cases don't because the other cases are so focused on very specific actions or aspects of what happened. The January 6th case is very much relegated to the um, days and weeks leading up to that uh, cataclysmic event. You have Mar-a-Lago, which, again, is a very separate, distinct issue um, from the election interference. This election interference gets to the heart of the strategy and what they attempted to do, um, not only in Georgia but elsewhere. And I think the interesting thing is with RICO statute, it allows the prosecutor, Fannie Willis, to – Bring in um, characters and uh, events that occurred outside of the state as well. And RICO allows you to go after, or go across state and look at and bring Damn. in that as evidence as part of that wider, wide ranging
0: conspiracy. And that's what Fonnie Willis said she likes about how Georgia has set up the RICO law, because what she's going to be able to do now is to paint a full picture. Right she's going to be able to point to this is what this is how Trump's actions and his words set up Rudy Giuliani, who then took these actions based on what he or Trump say. then here's how that affects impacted Sidney Powell, and here's how they were all working together
1: that's exactly right, and for those who haven't read through her indictment, there's three main planks or themes they're all relating to election interference number one is the undue pressure and, yep. and uh, on lawmakers to overturn the result so the pressure campaign put on state lawmakers um, to, uh, to basically not certify the vote well
0: and you've got that 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 woman and her daughter who were volunteers.
1: Yes, and we could. And and I'm glad you because put they those get brought back on the, onto stand, the story. Yeah. That's
0: a compelling story.
1: Very compelling story because their lives were shattered with these false allegations of vote rigging by Trump and by Giuliani. And I mean, they had to flee their home, their home was invaded. Yep. You know, they had to change their their names for a time. So those two, I think it's good to be reminded because that is a story that uh, needs to be retold. Number two, as far as election interference, is the uh, attempt to basically seat a slate of false Trump electors. Yeah. that's a whole facet of this. So some of the people caught up in this indictment are Georgia GOP state officials yep. who were involved like in the thirty effort. of them. Oh yeah. Who – part of this conspiracy to get this um, slate of uh, fake Trump electors um, seated so that they could cast their votes for Trump instead of Biden. And then the third plank is the active attempt to actually – to hack into voting machines. So (laughs) this was another part of the story, which I'm glad is being told because this is not in – the case that Jack Smith is bringing but Coffee County, Georgia which is a rural county of um, just about 40, a little bit over 40,000 people, their election administrator who apparently had a lot of sympathy for Trump, um, invited the Trump campaign to directly access those voting machines which is a violation of state law and a just momentous uh, I mean security, (laughs) cyber security um, hack.
0: Just because they invited you didn't mean you should do it no it doesn't make
1: it legal not absolutely not at all it was completely illegal and it's a it's part of this as well and so there's people that are caught up in that including that election administrator and it also reminds people that under the deluge of these allegations of uh basically fake election results and rigged election it's so ironic that you actually had Trump officials that accessed voting machines illegally and were basically have uh, been accused of doing what they claim was done by the Biden campaign. Yeah. You can't make this up.
0: We're, we're past that, oh, this is just all free speech. Yeah, we're, we're past some of the baseline arguments that started coming out when, uh, when Jack Smith, when, when he launched the, the, the J6 indictment now, now here. If you're still listening to sources that are telling you this is a violation of, his, of Trump's First Amendment rights and that's how these are going to get overturned, you're, you've got the wrong legal sources. You right. need to find different people to listen to.
1: And, and, and you need to follow the story and read the indictment about what yes. actually occurred because this is much more than about speech. It's about an active— plot and yes. attempt. Uh, to access information illegally, to unduly influence, um, and to seat electors contrary to uh, the Constitution. So that, I think, is all important, because those are details that um, people may have heard in passing via the January 6th Committee, but this is a way to tell that story more concretely and in terms of the impact on Georgia. And it's going to have just, I think, a lot of impact in terms of people under understanding that um, this was a, uh, a an attempt, a, a conspiracy, that wasn't just residing in the brains of these individuals, yes. but was actually in executed. Their- <laughs> it was executed. And while yeah. it was not successful, um, it doesn't mean that it was any less dangerous.
0: I was trying to wh- whip up a joke that you know, I got my I got my uh, law degree from Dick Wolf University or Law and Order U or something because my legal background consists of 25 years of watching all the Law and Order, law and order franchise shows, yeah. stuff. There's been so many. So if Law and Order has taught me anything, it's in Rico you charge everybody knowing that half the people are going to flip oh, yeah. on the other half of the people.
1: And we should remind, there, in case people haven't been following, some names have resurfaced that we haven't heard from in a long time, like Sidney Powell.
0: Rudy Giuliani. Yeah,
1: Jenna Ellis. Uh-
0: <laughs> so Rudy allegedly, like two months ago, went down to Mar-a-Lago with his lawyer and said, Hey, Trumples, I need some money. I am out of cash, and I mean legal bills are mounting up. You've got to help me. And Trump said no and wouldn't do it. That may come back to bite Trump straight in the ass. Oh, yeah. Rudy Giuliani is a is a ghoulish figure oh, in this. Completely. Just just brutal. And all of the memes with his hair dye running down that just just awful. Brandon, just just so maybe some of the kids listening will 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 believe me on this. Rudy Giuliani one time was one of the most widely respected men in America. And it was well earned after yes. 9/11. I mean Rudy Giuliani was, mayor. America's was America's America's mayor, mayor. He, on the front page of Time Magazine. He was Magazine. somebody who People trusted, respected, and you could point to that guy and say, that guy's done a lot. He cleaned up New York City. He held it together after 9-11. That's a guy that when he dies, statues need to go up around New York City of that guy. Where I am sympathetic to Rudy Giuliani, as Brandon, as you get older, specifically too, I think this applies to a lot of men, you start realizing there's a certain time when, hey, your skill set just wasn't what it used to be. You know, you're, you're if you're a lawyer or a, an IT professional or marketing, there comes a point in time when you've been out of the business for a while and you're just not as relevant as, as you used to be. And if you've had a hold of that ring of power at some point in time, as you age, giving it up has got to be a bitch. I can sympathize with all of those things. None of that gives him the no. excuse to do what he has done the past two and a half
1: well, years. And I also wonder, and it's not an excuse at all, but a cognitive decline is still happening be. here. We. But, but, but he, th- this was a guy – this is what floors me, Craig. This was a guy, too, not only his leadership of nine, uh, after 9-11, but he had a, a, a just amazing career as a federal prosecutor going after mob bosses and, uh, and organized crime. Oh, all really
0: la- – get a good old chuckle out of this that now Rudy's got to go down with Rico.
1: Which is the statue I he know, used to go after the all That that's he what, invented. So, I mean, it, he used the same tactics that he went after others
0: for. I mean, it's like coming full circle. How does that happen to somebody? I, I sit there at, at as I approach uh, – I'm not old. Yet, but I'm staring it right in the face, and as I approach this, things like that give me pause. Then yeah. I realize that could never happen to me. That could never happen to me because I have people around me who care about me, love me, and would pull me out of that thing and say, "Listen, you're not, you're not going to do this." And that's really the tragedy, I think, of Rudy and Sydney and this whole kind of gang. These are just broken people. They're broken people who and have are they, nobody around them at is, the time they needed the most to say, "Brandon, you're off the rails." Let me pull you back. They've alienated or gotten rid of anybody in their life that could have done that, and when they needed that the most, it wasn't there.
1: Right. Well, I I think the people that are most likely to tell them they're unwilling to listen if any of those people are left, as you said, if they haven't been alienated. they're all gone. As part of it, uh, if you get beyond the grift and the money, uh, you – insinuated this that it's like the sense of purpose right yes part of it this idea to borrow a quote from the uh, musical hamilton they want to be in the room where it happened yes and the idea of being in the room where it happens that supersedes everything else and so ethics morals you know just common sense logic all goes out the door because it becomes relevance at that point
0: Yeah. it's just it's sad to watch this group of people and Sydney Powell one time, didn't she work for the DOJ? She was a respected attorney. I think attorney. so, yeah. She, John Eastman has been a, a, a famed conservative yeah. epidemic for most of his career. It's not only that these people are facing, well, they're facing the loss of their reputation, the end of whatever professional career, but now they're also facing potentially loss of their freedom. And for what? And for and, whom?
1: And they are going to um, be footnotes in history in a completely negative light. I mean, <laughs> their yeah. role in history is going to be forever shaped
0: by this so rudy's already said i'm out of cash jenna ellis has set up a gofundme to try to yeah to mark get levin bang. has been
1: hawking that if you've um, noticed on i gotta Twitter. think
0: sydney powell doesn't have you know she can't have a ton of money no. left after all of this
1: and i mean most of these people they're uh there's also proceedings actively to disbar them or remove their law licenses
0: too yeah, I think it's called the sixty-five project, where a group of lawyers are going after the sixty-five lawyers that yeah. were involved with Trump's things. So. Uh, yeah,
1: I know Giuliani and no, Sidney Powell, Powell both have yeah active cases. Against I feel those. sorry
0: for the thirty unnamed, uh, unindicted co-conspirators that are at the state level, because. In that group, I'm imagine, is one or two people who just volunteered for something, thinking this was a way to get involved. They got caught up in the Trump excitement. To your point, that phenomenon of I'm in the room with the big dogs when it's happening, those people are all going to flip. They're just going to tell Bonnie Willis, just whatever you want, you have. And that's the whole strategy. I'm not going home and telling my wife, I I may be going to jail.
1: Right. And that's a whole strategy behind having 30 unindicted co-conspirators is you start to build that momentum to flipping them and expanding your case. Uh, Yeah, so without a doubt.
0: Very early on a pod, I think this was a podcast even with Mike and I, I believe that I said one of the most probable outcomes for Trump's presidency was him going to jail. And I thought that simply because— The presidency is one of the most complicated jobs in the world, and you are open to legal exposure almost on a daily basis. I mean, if you run the DOJ, all of the uh, three-letter agencies that gather intelligence, the military, the FBI, all of the the, the ag department, the all of that, you are opening yourself up to legal liability on all fronts every day. Donald Trump simply didn't have the complexity in his background to be able to recognize it, understand that, and listen to enough people to navigate it. In some ways, this was the, the place we were always going to end up. Oh, and he, I just thought it'd, he'd just steal. I just uh, thought he'd just say, well, I'm the CEO of the United States. That's mine. I'm just taking it. He also simply
1: did a care. You also have to realize Trump's entire career has been marked by, I mean, just barely escaping justice. I mean, he has flirted with... Illegality his entire life, yeah. and has been able to evade accountability uh, via the court system and the law, and just using on the civil side. On the civil side, yes. Now, yeah. uh, so he, he is, I think, built over time this uh, persona that he was untouchable, and I think he acts like that as well. And if you follow anybody who operates from that level of hubris. They start to believe they are invincible, and they take more and more risk in time. And so Trump was only going to take more risk, and it was only a matter of time before that would catch up with them.
0: And what's interesting to me is I have heard people talk about Donald Trump for seven years. And I've heard people talk about these legal cases for two and a half years. Brandon, we're probably six, seven months away from seeing how the people, how a jury, how 12 Americans— react to this that, that's
1: what's so amazing and uh that brings me back to the georgia case because this is a state case it will certainly be televised and talk we're oh. gonna see something we haven't seen oh. since i think the oj simpson trial in terms of uh viewership oh, and yeah. just the buzz around this because yeah. this will be televised federal trials usually are not televised except with special exception Um, but this will be televised. Everybody will be watching. Now, it's interesting. Fonnie Willis has asked for a trial start date of, like, March 4th, I believe, and she is trying um, all of Trump and the co conspirators together, which is a big undertaking. So it remains to be seen if that trial date will hold or whether she will continue to try them all at once or try to separate them because it is um, a gargantuan task. But if you think about that, March 4th projected trial date— you have the Marlago documents. Super Tuesday, too. By the way,
0: what's that? That's Super Tuesday, too. Do you oh think, my gosh! Do you, I think, think, yeah. do you think she did that on purpose?
1: I did not even consider that. That's, I think she. I did. think she. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, May twentieth, which is the date that was set by the judge for the Marlago case, and then Jack Smith has asked for um, January fourth as the start date for the January sixth case. So you're going to have these cases ultimately overlap, but it'll be interesting to watch the timeline because we could see trial starting... Um, pretty soon after the new year in January with at least one of the cases, yeah. and then another case to follow in six weeks' time.
0: Here, here's a quick way to know if the person you're listening to is dealing with you in good faith about trials and dates and timelines. So folks like Brian Kilmeade, another host on Fox, are just like, oh my God, just delay all these till after the election. That That's not, this isn't fair. Just 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 delay <laughs> these. People delay all the time. In civil court, you do. Yeah. Civil court can go on for years. The average criminal case... Felony from time charge to trial date is 90 to 180 days, three to six months. Great. The the acceptable amount of time to delay a, a, a felony trial. There is no set rule. But what I was able to find is that most courts set on eight months. Eight months is the absolute longest delay. They will delay a criminal trial and you better have a damn good reason to do it. So the first thing is if anybody comes up and says, oh, my God, they, they should delay these. They do this all the time. But no, no. You need to turn no. that person off, find another podcast, find another channel. That is 100% wrong. Right. And second, if they're, they're centering you around what well, we talked about, First Amendment issues. This is another thing. This is not what these are about.
1: This is about the action Correct. taken. Yeah. That
0: person's taking a lazy approach to giving you information, mostly probably to promote one side or, or the other, which is really all we're going to get until... The trial start. But we are going to get to a point where how easy is it going to be to improve intent to 12 Americans that Trump actually knew he didn't win the election? I think that'll take all of two seconds. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem. It'll be interesting. How do people react when all of this evidence comes out? Because, again, the the indictment is not the evidence. We haven't even begun to get into everything that they've got. And then how, how do juries handle this? And I think the juries will come back quickly, and I think they'll, they'll come back mostly convicted.
1: I, I agree, and I think – and that's because of the surplus of evidence we have. We have recordings. We have these people in their own words yeah. and writing and audio on video. I mean none of this was uh, kept you know no. secret or to the vest. So I think that's what makes this case very problematic for Trump, uh, and I, I found it in, uh, amusing – that Trump's lawyers are trying to get him to back off next Monday's oh, press conference no, where he no. introduces the – This U- is
0: the shit show <laughs> we're here for.
1: So Trump had announced the next Monday he was going to show just how the election in Georgia was stolen. And, of course, his attorneys, uh, you know, sensing you know jeopardy for him on the legal <laughs> side, said, no, you don't want to do this.
0: I think they all told him we're going to quit.
1: Right. Yeah. And so it would just be I, – I, and I would I, – I, I was actually talking with somebody the other day. I'm like, so are we taking any bets for how um, many of his legal team leave or get changed out before the trial actually None starts? None of them will make it. <laughs> I don't know that any of them will make it
0: all the way. I don't. Yeah. If there's one thing with Trump's lawyers, don't get used to them because there'll be a whole different set very, very quickly. Right. So most of the pundits, when they talk about this, they talk about it in, in, the, in the language of what's going to happen on appeal. You know, this is Dershowitz' big uh, big thing is, oh, well, there's not a lot that can happen in the state courts. These are all unfriendly juries. Oh, by the way, if you're listening to anybody that puts any relevancy into who voted for whom is, as what the venue should be, you should turn off that immediately because none right. of that thing, that's all just, just absolutely friggin' r- ridiculous. Brandon, and I was pointing that out. I went on a little journey and I lost my point. What was I talking about? So, uh, well, you had mentioned Alan Dershowitz talking ah. about the, the the appeals
1: that the would appeal, take okay. place. Yeah.
0: It's th- thank you very much. That there seems to be a consensus building among the, the conservative lawyer crowd. And I don't know if this is all in good faith or if this is just all just spinning for clicks and, and eyeballs. But there is a real possibility that Trump may be convicted of a lot of this in these courts – and this could be a, get get this could get appealed big chunks of this could get get appealed and he could lose he could win on appeal the supreme court is taking a very very narrow view of what fraud is and they are getting rid of and they just had a whole series of decisions where they basically said fraud is about property or money period you cannot defra- uh, uh people have been convicted because M- manafort for example yeah, The 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 baseline of his fraud was he defrauded the government out of the ability to keep an active list of FARA people. That That's dumb, and that's stupid. This is what the court is narrowing down. All I'm doing is trying to prep people for once, let's say he gets convicted in three of these four cases, which we think he will, that does not mean these cases are going to stand on appeal. And then that brings us to a really interesting question. Do you think John Roberts... If it's a 4-4, do you think he'll overturn the will of the people and throw out Trump's conviction? This is a man who would not – this is a man who voted to keep Obamacare because he did not want the legacy of the court to be we kicked out a law that the government passed. So all I'm saying to folks is it would be is, hard for to because...
1: Roberts would vote to again his caution and the reputation of the court is what yeah, he's concerned about. Yeah, I am also while I agree with you I'm still skeptical that the court would take up these cases because they are a political landmine and I yeah. <laughs> I mean this far surpasses what we saw with Bush v Gore which was heavily criticized. I mean this is like unknown territory. So if you are the court and you care about relevance and long term Term reputation. This is the last case, set of cases you would yeah. want to take up. I think out of everything. So I'm, I'm not convinced. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that there would be a, a consensus for them to take this up. I just I, – I don't
0: – I would love for all nine justices to give a press conference and just stand there and say, this is a political mess that we are not cleaning up for you. Yeah, agreed. Clearly, this is to be handled in the political realm. We are not stepping into this. Don't ask again.
1: They would all uh, – uh, I mean, and if they were to overturn these cases, they would just be seen as basically coming to Trump's aid. It would be uh, po- yeah. completely political – And uh, you know, usurping you know the arm of justice, and so I, it would set a very bad precedent, uh, and um, it would also, I think, if you look on the political side, you would see the escalation among Democrats to change the makeup of the court and reform the court. That would be sky high at that point, and that would become a litmus test for every Democrat running for federal office at that point. So, Brandon,
0: I don't believe in the Illuminati, but I do believe like senators' office, like Senator Jerry Moran. That maybe he, uh, maybe there are little groups of people that get together and maybe have rational discussions together. Yeah, I think that's. John Roberts and some people to say, hey, you know. We are not going to step into this. I think people can get together before things happen, maybe, and talk about what's the best possible outcome. What are you planning on doing? What am I planning on doing? If that does happen, boy, this seems like it'd be a really good time for some people behind the the scenes to get their shit together and try to to help the whole country get through this as quickly and as painlessly as we we can.
1: I agree. And, I mean, even to back up for a moment, you know, assuming that Trump gets— uh, convicted in one or more of these trials on um, a handful of charges, we could very well be going into a June Republican National Convention where the front runner has just been convicted. Yeah, um, in one of these venues. And so the question is, is there a floor fight to, you know, basically select a different nominee? Is there chaos? What Ooh. happens at that point? I mean,
0: it, it could be a free-for-all. So this is, this is good heading into this first debate next week, which God knows what, what this is going to be. Brandon, there is no incentive structure for anyone to drop out. No. I mean, if I'm DeSantis or Haley or, or Christie, I'm just going to ride as long as I can, pick up as many delegates as I can, because you just mentioned the, the convention. There's at least a shot that that could be an open convention, that we could go in not knowing what happens, and the nominee gets picked at the convention. And you better
1: believe that all of the candidates have 100%. that at the back of their minds.
0: Nobody's yeah. dropping out on this. No. nobody is dropping out until, well, in, until the convention, and we, we may get to the point where it gets decided there. God, that would be so I awesome. think that's very
1: likely. I mean, talk about high-stakes drama. We yeah. have not had a legitimate convention flight in, fight yeah. in, oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, probably, what, 50 years? And
0: who was the last? Was I mean, was there a
1: fight on the convention between Carter and Ted Kennedy?
0: There was a little bit, but Ted Kennedy pretty much shot his wad by that point, and okay. everybody knew it was Carter. Kennedy is the one who really, he was the last one, I think, who made a serious push to primary president. He did make a serious president. bid, yeah. and,
1: and so— Oh, you'd have to go back
0: much I mean, further. I can't. It, it's it's got to be one of those eighteen hundred, you know, or early half ones, yeah. or some shit like that. But it's been a while. Th- well, like the the press conference on Monday, we're in we're in silly season. Oh, let's it's uncharted be <laughs> Let's be silly. Let's be silly. If nobody knows what we're doing, and we're all acting like lunatics, let's be as big a lunatics as we can be. Yeah. I mean, Mike Lindell, Brandon is right across the state in St. Louis having another one of his change the world, the 2020 election moments. I, mean, I saw that. If we're still doing that, let's get really crazy. Let, let's hit every note. Let Trump give his thing. I mean, let's get this party started. If, if we're going to burn ourselves down over this election cycle, let's get the fire started and let's just get to it.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, and so, and I, again, Trump is not going to be quiet through all this at all. So I'm also waiting to see, but, you know, if there's any consequence for him continuing to spout off yeah. Let, and influence
0: jurors yeah. and intimidate. Let me ask you a series of quick questions, because I want to get your opinions on these. So number one, do you agree with the judge in the J6 case who told Trump, I don't give a shit that you're running for president? Your schedule doesn't mean anything to me, and I will not consider it one time when putting this gallon together.
1: Oh, completely. I mean, yeah, political campaign schedules should not you know, yeah. supersede you know, standard court proceedings
0: at all. So you agree with her that hey, just because you're running for election, that doesn't no, mean yeah, that doesn't mean I totally to me. agree. That would be special no, treatment. I, I mean, owe you no responsibility to that. You're a former president and the current leader of the Republican Party. You get no special treatment here.
1: It doesn't matter. A physician who's on trial doesn't get um, sure. coordination with his you know um, patient schedule. I mean, it would account for anybody in any other profession. They don't get special treatment like that.
0: Who wins in the Trump mugshot? Does Trump need it more or does Georgia need it more? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, that, I
1: mean, Brandon, you've Georgia, gotta, I think needs it more. By we, the way, there's a lot of anti-Trumpers who are already talking <laughs> about
0: they want to get that on a T-shirt. So you can I bet that those T-shirts are going to be flying off. I'm buying it. Yeah. So you're you think that? Well, one, I think it's already been decided. He's getting fingerprinted, mugshotted, the whole bit. And they said while they're doing that, the other 18 they may have to sit in the holding tank with everybody else while this happens. Is that too far? Is that too much? There is an element. I mean, the right is getting really pissed, and when Hillary Clinton trolled them on Rachel Maddow show, that may have been a breaking point for some of these folks. Do we? I guess do we have to do all that? I understand this is. I the mean, I think we do. Thing, I mean, but- I don't.
1: Again, I don't think we should placate Trump supporters and 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 try to make them feel less enraged or incensed about you know, the court case is proceeding. And so, no, any person, uh, normal person, uh, you know, uh, who is charged with a crime like this would go through and be fingerprinted and have a mugshot taken. So, again, just because he's a former president, why should he be treated any differently? Or why should he be given special treatment just as, you know, to calm people down? Like, no, at the end of the day, you know, we have to, I think— ensure that everybody abides by the same Mm -hmm. laws and and the same proceedings. And I, 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 I would not argue that he, you
0: know, get any type of special treatment at all. Does Trump keep himself out of jail? While waiting all these trials, or does his behavior just become too lunatic and they're forced to do something? I mean, I think
1: it could devolve and become very lunatic where they're forced to slap him down with some jail time or something, even if it's just a day or 24 hours or less, because he has not shown a propensity to control himself. He does not control himself. He does not listen to anybody. Um, He is continuing to ramble and go after the judge um, and others. He attacked Fonnie Willis the other day with a slanderous accusation.
0: she had an affair with a gang member. Right.
1: Yeah. And so, um, I mean, he – yeah. So that's that's his M.O. Uh, And – And I think that we also have to be cautious because the more he speaks, the more that there's things and events that happen underneath him. Uh, There was a Trump supporter that issued a threat against the judge in the January 6th case, um, very nasty, actually – Threat to kill. Who's been arrested? There's a Trump website that posted Mm -hmm. the names and addresses of the jurors in the Fulton County case. Yeah, again, that's a security uh, breach. And so, and it just also points to the fact that we need to like step up security efforts for the judges, the attorneys, and the jurors in all these cases. So that will continue to escalate as long as Trump keeps speaking. So I think at some point, if he continues to show complete disregard for the rules of the court. He'll have, have to be to. punished.
0: Yeah. yeah, we used to live next to a U.S. marshal, and I can tell you, you don't want to threaten a, a federal judge. They take that really, oh yeah, really seriously. And I As guess they should. I guess if you're gonna do it, don't just call up the federal courthouse and leave a message for her either that you're gonna kill her. That you might be pretty easy to find if if you do something yeah. like that. We, I have been somewhat surprised that we have not had any real Trump protest. There's been nobody in the streets. There was nobody at the courthouse in Georgia. There's nobody burning anything down because Trump's been indicted four times. That's true,
1: although they did establish a security perimeter around the Georgia courthouse. It was unneeded. Right. There's nobody there. Well, they did it at
0: 11 o'clock at night. But but,
1: And so I also wonder, too, and this brings me back to the prosecutions of the January 6th defendants. I think that that has also created an environment where many who would likely be in the streets or not— because they're afraid of things getting out of hand and then being part of that so if there's anything good um to say i think that the justice department going after the 1200 or so who have faced mm-hmm. charges from january 6th that that has sent a pretty clear message yeah, to true. others who would cause trouble but and again i would say it's still early on there's uh, you know you're gonna see a lot of Uh, politicians fan the flames and continue on with their two-tiered justice mantras. (laughs) And as we get closer and closer to trial dates, um, there's a lot that could still happen. I have a very dark mood. I do not see us from this point going from now to November 2024 without there being a violent incident. I hope I'm wrong, but I just have this feeling in the back of my mind that, again, all it takes is for one or a handful of people to step out of line and you have an incident where people can get hurt or there's Down. you know violent altercation and i just i feel like it's inevitable because i don't see the rhetoric uh you know getting no. controlled or you know or people controlling what they're saying and
0: we might be at the high water mark of this whole we thing, might, yeah. Brandon. I think that's probably accurate. Sixty-four percent of Americans in a recent survey said there was no goddamn way, or close to no goddamn way, they would ever vote. For I Trump just saw the this poll.
1: I'm glad you brought this up, and that's the number that Republicans should be worried about.
0: Some of these numbers are slowly starting to penetrate into that kind of right-wing entertainment bubble. Yeah, and. Part of the folks that are in that bubble are starting to realize we're in a bubble, that maybe they're just getting a feedback loop on Trump that really isn't telling the true picture. I think those numbers were a real shock to a lot of people. I also think that might be Trump's best mark, 63 percent, and I think we'll see that rise. Oh, yeah, because more – I mean this is just the beginning, right? As more
1: comes out, as the televised trial takes shape, you're going to see more detail – Uh, And then if you were to uh, get a conviction, you're talking about a convicted felon. I think that changes automatically uh, the opinions of so many people, uh, you know, because it's one thing to be accused. It's another to be convicted.
0: Well, only like 74 percent of Republicans now say they are locked in to vote for Trump. So he's even losing. I mean, that used to be in the high 90s. So, I mean, he's losing some ground, too, with his with his own base. I agree. But this is the dilemma for the Republican Party, that the
1: way that the primary calendar is set up, um, it completely favors Trump, yep. and with the turnout models for those primaries and caucuses. So despite all of that, as we get into early next year, he, again, even with all of this going on, is still well-positioned to win the nomination, but then to lose the general. And there doesn't really seem... To be a, a plan or no,
0: stopgap to that. No. It, it, there seems to be no recognition by Republicans, I guess. I guess that I can say that that broadly that this is going to hurt Trump. We, they are still in that every indictment makes him stronger face. And that's true until it doesn't. All these indictments make him stronger now because we haven't seen him appear in a court. We haven't gone through discovery. We haven't seen any witness lists. And nobody has come out and flipped. When all of that happens, it's going to be a very different scenario.
1: And party leaders, electeds, they've had ample opportunity to turn on Trump to start to veer away. They haven't. And so the mindset seems to be we're just going to hope that he dies or that he's convicted beforehand, and then we can have a convention fight. The problem is that does nothing in the interim to change the primary and caucus Damn. outcomes. And we're getting to... It's getting to be uh, too close to the dates to, to see any kind of drastic seismic shift in, in movement of support. Like, if if Republicans had wanted to change that outcome, they would have had to be on message, start talking about... As, with yeah. a unified voice that You're we need right. to move away from Trump, there and that no have started pivot. last year. They haven't done that, yeah. and so I mean, even if tomorrow there was some, you know, they somehow altogether pivoted away, like it's it's almost like there's still not enough time left to change. Hey,
0: Glenn Youngkin ain't parachuting in to save you at this point. No, that's not going to happen. Think talking about uh, Republicans parachuting places. I don't think that's a good segue. But we have our first debate. Of the 2024 presidential election is next Wednesday on Fox. It's, yeah, that
1: that still didn't sink in fully until you mentioned it just Somebody on
0: Fox, I was listening to Fox today, and they were like, you know, when I look at the, just the massive amount of talent on that stage, that these are serious, I'm like, good Lord, (laughs) there's not a lot of political talent on on that stage. There's not.
1: I am very excited to see Christie tear apart Trump. Uh, Chris Christie, by the way, has overtaken Ron DeSantis
0: in some polls in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. Yeah. If I'm Chris Christie, first thing I do is walk out and just take my shirt off. (laughs) Just let everybody know I'm here to dominate. I don't give a shit. And I, I am your destructor. I'm coming right at everybody. I'm going to look around and say, hey, since Trump ain't here, it's you, DeSantis. Let's go.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think the, we have spoken in the past about how it would be conducive for all of the candidates to go after DeSantis. Yeah, um, in place so. of Trump not being there, especially now that we know that Desantis's debate plans have leaked online, God, who, and that's so when you know it's going bad. We know the details of what they're going to do. Basically, those plans included uh, going after Vivek Ramaswamy for being fake and not yeah. being legitimate, um, pushing back against against Chris Christie, defending Trump all yeah. the way, um, humanizing himself by telling How? like you know feel good stories about his wife and kids. Great, and the fact that they again every campaign. Campaign has a, a a blue book for debate prep, but to put that out there because DeSantis is already vulnerable for being too stiff, for being um, too robotic, uh, you know, not uh, likable. There's that famous incident in his um, uh, gubernatorial race where um, it, it somehow got leaked that he had a, a little palm card where he had wrote uh, oh gosh, what did he write on it? It was like... like be likable or be something. Be likable. Be relatable yeah. or something It was like likable. That. It was yeah. uh, be likable. Like to remind himself to be likable. <laughs> and again, So again, that just plays into the notion that this guy is awkward, that he's he's not... Uh, he's stiff. He doesn't really um, empathize well or, or uh, with people. And the fact that it's leaked that he had to be told to humanize himself, I think, is just... It, it's interesting. You will see some... Tax will leak information. Yeah, that is but supposed to be that had, strategic. That
0: had to come from Christ- from uh, DeSantis' staff, didn't it?
1: Well, I think so. Yeah, but that that's the part that I don't understand. They leaked a lot. I mean, they leaked a lot of detail that I it's well, kind of cringy. Like, why would you want that leaked before the debate? They but- don't
0: like him. Because I guess so staff doesn't like him. It
1: must be. And it opens up him up to further lines of attack by Absolutely. his opponents at the debate.
0: If I'm Chris Christie, I said this last week, I'll say it again. I walk out online and say, Listen, there's two people on this stage running for president, me and that butthole from Florida down there. The rest of these people are a joke. Nobody here is running for president. Vivek's running for a cabinet spot. Nikki's running for VP. Tim's running for VP. And I can tell you that because, again, she asked permission. He won't say nothing. And this is his first campaign. So uh... anything those three talk about, I don't give a shit. And I don't care. Because Extremely they're not serious and they're line. not here. Let's get to it. that That's what I would just come out and just be, hey, you people want – you guys seem to think you like an asshole. Let me show you a world-class one. Yeah. That orange guy, he's just a douche. Let me show you how you really – Chris Christie Chris, knows, Christie he knows how to wield to political power in an asshole way. Oh, yeah.
1: And he has nothing to lose. Nothing to lose for it. And if I'm Chris Christie or any of the candidates for that matter, if DeSantis comes after me, my ultimate comeback is, oh, was that on your uh, note card? The, one of the bullet points yeah. for your debate prep? Hey, did <laughs> like, somebody tell you that? <laughs> right. hey,
0: hey, Ron, why, why don't you just laugh for us? Can you do that? now? Oh, look, your mouth's open. You look like a Pez dispenser.
1: I, I the Vec- Remember, Ron, be likable. Come on. Yeah. Hey, Ron, that,
0: you're not being very likable, Ron. The Vivek Ramaswamy, he it's going to be interesting because everyone's going to turn their fire at that guy.
1: Oh, yeah, he is because well. he's
0: gone viral a few points and he's Vivek,
1: overtaken DeSantis in Vivek's Iowa. Vivek's a guy;
0: he's got a shtick. He's yeah. pretty articulate. He handled the uh, the LBG LGBTQ question in Iowa very well. He did handle
1: that very well. It's
0: not like he's without skill, but if you get four or five people that are professional, lifelong politicians, aim their fire at you. That can be a lot,
1: and I think that they can effectively do so. This was in DeSantis's debate prep, but it is accurate. Uh, Vivek opens himself <laughs> up to being inauthentic because he doesn't have a, lo- uh, a background or extensive history in GOP politics. And not only that, um, his background on the issues is actually fairly liberal until he made the pivot and decided yeah. to run I for mean, president. Vivek
0: fact, Raboswavi is not a Republican in any way, shape, no. or form. He is
1: playing the game. He's
0: cosplaying in you know politics. trying to be more moderate than trump he's checking all the boxes he's hoping for a a cabinet position and and go from there it's not he he's not serious no not at all and rapping lose yourself at the iowa that that's not something that that a republic (laughs) if you if you were up 20 points he never would have done never would have done that
1: he is amusing more than anything and that's the kind of role he's playing i mean he's more akin to you know, if you look at past campaigns, somebody like Herman Kane or someone who, you <laughs> know,
0: Kane. you know,
1: what was his, know. Uh, his 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 tax plan? The five? Was... It's like
0: the five point plan and no bill over three pages, so you could read it at the kitchen table. And but it, there was like oh, a Herman. it was like
1: a number repeated like five 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 or yeah, you're right. He had like, like the five five
0: five plan, yeah. like five percent of this, five of that, or something. Right. Oh, Herman died of uh, died of COVID because yeah, he went to, to Trump's Donald rally Trump. in Tulsa. God, just thinking back to all of the insanity that's happened the last 5 years. Oh. And there's one fat orange bastard right at the, the center of all of it. it. Yeah. And we can't quit one this guy. One person
1: who we cannot yeah, move away from. And again, the the Republican hopes seem to be that they just
0: hope this guy like kills over. I mean, that's their
1: because <laughs> they won't go after. Is him. there
0: any opportunity for anyone to have a breakout moment? I mean, like somebody like somebody goes from single digits to 20, 25%. I, I think it is possible just because Trump... Has such a large
1: insurmountable margin, but uh, all of the rest of them are pretty close together. Especially you get after you get after number two and DeSantis, they're all like within a point or two of each other. Yeah. I mean, especially the ones in the single digits. So yeah, I think one of them could have a breakout and then rise to number two or number three. I don't see any of them overtaking Trump, who won't even be there. But I, I could, you could see movement in that tier far below trump based on what happens in debates
0: the worst thing i think for the republican party is that everything holds after the debate it it changes nothing nothing. at all then you have another one and And, you get the exact same result nobody comes out of it with any
1: momentum it's kind of like yeah it's just it's stagnant it's a so what
0: the republican party says we don't like any of these people on stage we've already said we don't like any of them and this guy is unworkable right Odds Donald Trump doesn't get the nomination, takes his 35% of the party, and goes home. (laughs) I I think that's our most logical outcome right now.
1: Yeah,
0: Let's end real quick. We're going to cut a little short tonight because, Brandon, you actually have to work tonight.
1: Yeah, I do. I have a uh, little bit of a code deployment that I have to join a little bit later tonight. How many
0: times have you said little code deployment at 4 a.m.? You're just sitting there on the (laughs) phone like, we're never going to get this. We're never going to get this. Uh,
1: I I have a lot of stories in my old job with, yeah, Yeah, we can
0: sprint being on call. You could just sit there for days, Well, and especially
1: after I do my part. But I'm stuck on there as I'm waiting on other people. I'm just kind of like, you know, audio off (laughs) just in the background. Okay. So
0: (laughs) let's talk about I think we may have even done this every time Trump's been indicted. What do we think the outcome of the indictment is in Georgia?
1: Uh, as far as what are we looking at in terms of impact? Like, it could
0: be he gets totally off. Oh, he gets in terms convicted of, of some. He gets convicted of all. What? Oh, what, I, what do we think is the the final I, outcome?
1: I do think he definitely conv- gets convicted of some. I do not think. His lawyers will be successful in having the case remanded to federal court. Uh, That's very unlikely. Yeah. almost never happens. So, yes, I think he will get get convicted of some of these charges, and I think the outcome will be that he uh, gets uh, jail time out of the Georgia case. So you think he's
0: going to spend some time in jail off of Georgia?
1: I do, yeah. I think, yeah, eventually that's going to be the outcome.
0: Could you live with an outcome that Trump is convicted of most of these charges— Let's say some of them are kicked out by the Supreme Court, not all of them, and he gets some sort of, of house imprisonment in Mar-a-Lago, where he wears a ankle bracelet, can't get on social media, and has to stay within you know ten miles of Mar-a-Lago. Would that would that be an acceptable outcome to you at the end of all of this?
1: I it would be more acceptable than not, especially if it um, ensures that he cannot but become president. But I mean, there's still a part of me that really wants to see him behind bars and face that as an ultimate punishment. And I think that's what makes it so difficult. If we were talking about just one case, I could see that scenario playing out, but because we're talking about four different cases simultaneously and the juggernaut of, there's no way I think the Supreme Court would take up all of these cases if they do take I any or, so of them up, no. um, which, again, I'm so skeptical they take any of them up. But if they do, they're not going to take up all no. four. That's Roberts not, is
0: not going to take one of these up just to make sure it's yeah. a 5-4. So I happen.
1: think that, again, the likelihood there with all of the balls that are in play is that he gets some jail time. Um, how much is an open question, but it's, it's hard
0: for me to see a scenario where he doesn't get any— so last question, can you be ultimately satisfied that Trump received justice and this was fair and this is what America needed if Trump never goes to jail? Does he have to go to jail for, for you to feel that, hey, this, this was done correctly? Because I'm using you as an avatar for 40% of the country because I'm, I'm in that side too and this is what I'm struggling with. Does he have yeah. to go to jail to feel like, hey, justice has been been served?
1: I struggle with that because I think, I mean, house arrest is one thing. I don't think fines, I don't think do yeah, it, fines, I don't give it Yeah, he'll
0: just steal it. He'll just grift yeah. off people to pay it. Right, and so he won't ever be personally no. accountable when it comes to something like that. Um, and I'm past Trump's ever going to learn anything, and he's fucking seventy-eight, eighty years old. I mean, I mean, house
1: arrest in Mar-a-Lago is like a permanent vacation, right? I mean, <laughs> he can continue golfing. He can do whatever. There's he no wants way
0: we're sending Trump to some federal prison are we there's just no way that's going to happen well maybe fulton county i mean there's no i mean even for
1: me that's a bridge too far. i see i don't think so i no. i see i i think for me i would really like to see him go to prison if it's warranted and again if you look at all these cases they're all unique but um if you look at rico statutes if you look at others that have um taken intelligence and resisted yeah. getting, getting him back they've all spent some time yeah, in prison.
0: Yeah. I just, I, you know, the great part is we're going to find out. We're going to find out yeah, pretty quickly. too. So next year yeah. is
1: going to be a very interesting blockbuster year.
0: Joe Biden is not running for president there. There's just no way. Did you hear him get the bridge confused and told the wrong story that just, Oh, I uh, hear this. He does one, this but so much. Ugh. It's six or eight months until the camp. He's not running for president. You could look at him. I don't know who is, but it's not going to be Joe Biden. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean,
1: again, I don't know how he has the wherewithal to actually run a race across the country. I mean, he did not have to in 2020
0: with COVID. This year, I would make the agreement with the uh, with the Republicans. We'll go into the convention too with no candidate, and we'll pick ours if you commit to doing the same thing. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. That's not
1: going to happen. Not, not going to happen at all. No. I uh, think what would be, again, most likely to happen, and maybe you and I have talked about this or it's just been on my mind a lot because people have asked me recently, is that um, before Election Day, he picks a new VP running <laughs> mate. Um, not Carrie com- Lake? Uh, not yeah. yeah. Uh Kamala Harris is given a different role within the administration. Oh, you're talking about Biden.
0: I'm talking about Biden. I could see that. And then
1: that shakes things up, but it also provides reassurance to those who don't think Biden will serve out a full
0: term. Maybe Newsom runs for VP.
1: That could be yeah, Newsom, um, Gretchen Whitmer would make Gretchen a great VP. Whitmer would be I mean, good. she's been reelected yeah. now as governor of Michigan. Paulus out
0: of Colorado. I, I love Jared Polis yeah. out of Colorado. moderate centrist there. Dem.
1: Yeah, yeah you, Amy Klobuchar. You we, know, we just so have to so convince, We just
0: have to let the Trump era pass to maybe we can convince some of those types of people on both sides to get back into back into politics.
1: Yeah, I think it'll eventually happen. Yeah, we're in a place right now where. The rational people are yeah. taking a hiatus. They don't there, want to there's no go way. into this. Why would they? Nope. That's our hour. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Craig.
0: Thanks for listening to Two Men in the Middle. Make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our website at twomininthemiddle.com. Drop us an email at twomininthemiddle at gmail.com. Or tweet at us at middle. We'll see you next week.